Welcome to the Upgrade Your Education Business podcast. I'm your host, Samantha. Thank you so much for tuning in today, and I hope that you find this episode useful. If you're new to this podcast, each week I share fluff-free, actionable ideas tailored to education businesses that you can mould to suit your needs. And finally, if you enjoy listening to the podcast, it would mean the world to me if you could leave a review on iTunes or follow and subscribe on whichever platform you choose. Thank you once again for tuning in. Hello everyone, today is all about using social media to attract customers without paid adverts and that's what's called organic marketing. Although this will be my focus today and I've packed this episode with lots of examples, towards the end I'll talk about how to approach marketing in general because there are certain reasons why things that work now may not work in let's say six months time. So I'll talk about how to adjust your strategy according to your situation. Now, before I dive in, I must mention that there's nothing wrong with paying for ads. But even if you do, you still need the organic side to build relationships and to let people know what you're about. As you know, this podcast is about doing things your way and not following a cookie cutter approach. So I'll share three practical ideas that you can use and adapt to fit with your style of marketing. Here's what I'm going to talk about. I'll start with ways to unlock success with specific platforms and you can apply these concepts to other platforms or even ones that haven't been invented yet. I'll then talk about cross-pollinating on social media to create deeper relationships with your audience. And finally, I'll talk about using language very deliberately to communicate your message. Now, before I start, I want to mention branding because it's hard to talk about any form of marketing without considering your brand. Your brand is more than your logo and a few colours. It's your footprint. It's how you put forward the exact impression that you want people to get. And branding is so powerful. You only need to look at designer brands and how people will pay thousands for something that isn't much different from a cheaper alternative or even things that aren't the best in the market like designer headphones. But you know what? People will spend that money because those companies have established a strong brand So because this concept of branding is so important, next episode I'm sharing a discussion I had with branding specialist Colette Stevenson, who's the founder of PosterGrid, where she trains people to help them create cohesive Instagram grids. But the reason I mention it today is because it goes hand in hand with social media marketing. So remember to hit the subscribe or follow button so you don't miss when the next episode is released. Right, now let's dive in. When you're thinking about social media marketing, you need to remember one major thing. Imagine that you owned a social media platform. What's the one thing you want people to do? You want them to use the platform, don't you? So while you're listening to this, I want you to remember that because it essentially drives everything that works when it comes to social media marketing. I'm starting with how to use specific platforms in your marketing and there are two things to remember. Firstly, each platform has its own language, its own rhythm, its own etiquette. So when you're posting content, you need to adapt to that. I'm starting with this because I see a lot of people just publishing exactly the same post on multiple platforms at the same time. I'll talk more about how you can vary this without putting in too much work a little later. But a great way to understand each platform, how they work and the mindset of people who are on them is to use the platform yourself. Sure, you could listen to experts and read lots of articles, but really the way to understand the experience that users have is to be one yourself. 
Here are a couple of examples that show you how you can use your user experience to form a very simple strategy. I'll do one for Clubhouse and then one for Instagram since they are such different styles of platforms. If you haven't been on Clubhouse, it's a real-time audio app. So people essentially have live conversations that you can often participate in. When you enter a room, you usually give it up to a minute, maybe less, to decide whether or not to stay. So that's how you behave as a user. That means that if you run a room, you know that people are only going to give you a short grace period. So you need to moderate your room in a way that keeps high quality conversation flowing because you don't know at which point someone might enter your room. Now let's take Instagram. What makes you stop scrolling? For me, I tend to stop for quick paced videos and for carousels. So that tells me that if I were to create, let's say a short video, I need to keep it pacey. And for carousels, I need that first image to make people feel curious. So be a user, get really into the platform and build a list of what creates engagement for you. Because if it works for you, it will work for lots of other people as well. The second thing to remember is that potential customers go on a journey with you. They don't just suddenly discover you and want to part with their money. If you look up marketing or sales funnels online, you'll see that there's a very typical journey. They become aware that you exist. And if they like what they see, then they become interested in what you offer. So a really quick test to see whether what you're doing is effective is to choose a platform and ask yourself, how are people likely to come across me for the very first time? And there might be multiple answers to this. For instance, on LinkedIn, someone might come across a comment that I post. That tells me that my headline needs to be compelling because that's where I'm creating the first impression. And if I create a strong first impression, then they'll be interested in what I offer. And having used the platform myself, at that stage, I would click on someone's profile. So I can assume that that's what other people are likely to do as well. So let's say you've got people interested. What then? We still need to move them along the journey so that they consider actually working with you or buying from you. So back to that LinkedIn example. I know that I need to give people enough information on my profile to make them want to take some form of action, but not so much information that they lose interest. And I need to tell them what action to actually take. Maybe I'd direct them to my website or perhaps I'd encourage them to drop me a message. So when they drop me that message or when they go on my website, I have to consider how I can continue guiding them through that journey to becoming a customer. How do I get them to consider working with me? And from there, what action will they take to become my customer? So how does this relate to social media marketing? Well, a great place to start is to ask yourself where your target audience is most likely to meet you. And if you're a tutor, remember that it could be that your target audience are actually the people who are the decision makers, typically the parents and guardians. But your content still needs to resonate with the students that you teach. Now, when you're thinking about where your target audience is most likely to meet you, remember that they also have to be in the right mindset because people are often on several social media platforms, but they use them for different purposes. So they might use one for professional networking and another to relax and another one to buy things and get recommendations. So we have to focus on the one where they're likely to be in that consumer mindset. Then we need to ask ourselves, in what form are they likely to come across us? Remember, it's all a big experiment. What might work for me might not work for you and vice versa. So it's always worth trying different things and seeing what works. 
So, so far, you need to do two things. You need to understand the style of the social media platform you're focusing on. And a great way to do this is to use it and analyze your experience. And the second thing to consider is what kind of journey do you want to take people on? So when they meet you, how can you make that first impression compelling? Once they've connected with you, how can you convey the right messages to keep them interested and move them to want to book you? Now that you have an idea of how to treat these different platforms, it leads me to my second point, cross-pollinating on different platforms to build deeper connections. Let's take an example. Let's imagine that you and I are connected on Instagram, Facebook and LinkedIn. Now imagine that I was sharing the same content across all three platforms at the same time. It would probably be a bit annoying for you and that would lead you to lose interest in what I'm talking about. You may even disconnect from me. So in line with deciding how each platform fits in your customer's journey, it's a good idea to create different content for each platform. Now, that doesn't mean that you can't repurpose content. And that's essentially when you repeat content, but you package it differently each time. But what it does mean is that you must tailor your content to fit with both how that platform fits with your customer's journey and the style of the platform. For instance, most education businesses contact me on LinkedIn. And if you think about it, it makes sense because I'm offering professional development for education businesses and LinkedIn is all about professional development and networking. So that's what dictates my content on each platform. So if you use platforms very intentionally and make choices that are driven by your customer's behavior rather than just using platforms because they're free or because your colleagues use it, you'll form deeper connections, which leads to greater trust, which naturally boosts the chance of someone wanting to work with you. Because if you're posting different valuable content on different platforms, people will know that you don't just repeat yourself and so they'll want to connect with you in different ways. Now, remember what I said at the start, if you owned a social media platform, you'd want people to use your platform as much as possible. So let's say you owned LinkedIn and on there someone writes a post encouraging people to join their Facebook group. You wouldn't like that because it's encouraging people to leave your platform and go somewhere else. So what would you do? Well, you'd probably limit how many eyes see that post. So that raises the question, how do you connect with people on different platforms so that you can cross-pollinate your content? Well, one way is to mention the other platforms in your profile instead of in your content, or depending on which platform we're talking about, to provide some links. Another way is to find those connections and initiate that connection yourself. Now, cross-pollinating is a big and important topic because when we use social media platforms, they are essentially borrowed land. For instance, they could go down at any time. People often take social media breaks and so on. So as well as trying to connect with people across platforms, it's also important to have a way to communicate outside of the platform, for instance, through email lists. But that's for another day. Okay, to make sure that you understand how all of this comes together, I'll do a really quick walkthrough. Let's imagine that I chose LinkedIn as my core platform because my target audience are likely to be hanging out there and that's where they're likely to be in the right mindset. I need to ask myself, how will they become aware that I exist in the first place? So I know that they could see my content, they could come across a comment, and maybe they would see my profile pop up as a recommended connection. 
So that tells me that my headline needs to be accurate and compelling. If they come across my content, then I need to make sure that I'm posting material that they'll find interesting and useful. Then I need to think about what they might do when they're more interested. They would probably check my profile. So I need to explain who I am and what I do in a way that compels them to take some form of action. Now, they're either going to want to get in touch because they're considering working with me or they might feel like they want to do a little more digging. So since I post very different styles of content on other platforms, I could direct them there through my profile. Now on Instagram, I'm assuming that people are likely to use that just to find more information about me and what I offer. So I know that my content needs to rotate around sharing information about me, sharing ideas that people can try out, and I need to share information about what I offer. So here I'm relying on just two platforms. I've mapped a simple customer journey that's informed by the behavior that I've experienced. But that's not to say that people won't contact me through other platforms. So I know that regardless of what I use, there needs to be information on what people need to do next. I also know that I need to build trust on both platforms. So that needs to dictate my content strategy. In summary, I need to create content that connects, that sells and builds trust. So if you're wondering about what you can actually write, you could create three columns with the headings connection, sales and trust and list ideas for content under each heading. That way you'll know that you're ticking all the boxes. That's just one suggested way of planning content. But of course, try different things out until you find something that works for you. So you can see that there is so much value in simply mapping journeys and using different platforms for specific purposes. And marketing with purpose, being intentional, I found is the key to having some control over the impact you make through your marketing. If you know exactly why you're using the platform and what you want to achieve, that can dictate your content. And when it comes to content, don't be afraid of repeating your messages in different ways. In fact, staying consistent and talking about the same themes is important because it conveys your clear message and demonstrates your depth of knowledge. And don't worry too much if you're not getting loads of engagement. The beauty about social media marketing is that each time you create a post, you have a fresh chance to connect with your audience. And sometimes people will contact you without even hitting the like button or writing a comment. Likes and comments, they don't equal customers. They do help your content reach more people, but it's the further action that converts browsers into buyers. So we're ready to move on to my third and final strategy that I said I'd talk about. And don't forget, very shortly, I'll also be talking about how to approach marketing in general, because what works now may not work later. I'm going to focus now on using language very deliberately to move people to feel a certain way or to take the action we want them to take. Either way, to make content effective, people need to read it. So these tips will boost the chances of that happening. So that you don't feel overwhelmed, I'll share just four things that will produce really quick results. Number one, we hear about being authentic and sharing value all the time. Perhaps you've also heard about how people need to know, like and trust you to buy from you. But what does all of this actually mean? How does it help you to know what to actually write? Well, the best way to understand is to put yourself in the shoes of people reading your content. What do they need to know and why do they need to know it? 
What would they be interested in? And what would make them feel like they're meeting you without actually meeting you? So the key here is to use language that will resonate with your audience. For instance, let's say you've taken a qualification or joined some kind of professional association. If you just write a post that informs people about that, ask yourself the following questions. On its own, will it mean anything to them? And why should they care? Sure, it implies that you're a professional and that you care about professional development, but is that enough? So a good way to make this example stronger is to show some pictures maybe of you attending something related to the course or the association. Talk about what value it helps you bring to the table and how that benefits your target audience. That was a hypothetical example. Let me give you a real life one. For my tuition business, if I wrote that I'm a qualified teacher and left it there, it wouldn't really communicate anything valuable. So instead, I slip it into content every now and again. So I might share, let's say, a revision technique. And in the caption, I might mention how when I was a teacher, this was something that worked for my students. So here I've transformed the I'm a qualified teacher line into something that's valuable for my target audience. And I've used my professional history to just add some weight to what I'm saying. And of course, that builds trust. So doing this so what test helps communicate what your target audience want to know instead of what you want them to know. My second tip is to create your voice. And something I learned when I was a copywriter was to use direct address and to write in the first person. So essentially, that means addressing your readers directly with words like you and writing from your perspective using words like I instead of we. In fact, there's quite an amusing copywriting motto that says, don't we all over your content. Now, this is powerful because when someone reads your content, you're trying to connect with them. And so by doing these very small things with your language, it makes them feel like you're talking to them. It breaks down any formal barriers. And when you're writing content, imagine that you're sitting across from a friend who you haven't seen for over 20 years. That way you'll be friendly and casual with your language, but not over familiar. So now on to my third point. We've talked about a good way of being authentic, but how about sharing value? When you're sharing valuable content, you're essentially giving people a reason to keep coming back for more. And there really is no better way to do that than by demonstrating your expertise. So if you're an educator, then educate. And if you're talking about a service that you offer, talk about its benefits and not its features. A great example of this is in the Copywriter's Handbook by Robert Bly. And I recommend this to everyone. And he gives the scenario of imagining that you're selling a pencil. If you said this pencil is hexagonal in shape, people would probably think, so what? Whereas if you said because of the shape of this pencil, it won't roll off the table, that is so much stronger. And my fourth and final tip is to get to the point. If you have something exciting to say, it's tempting to create a bit of a build up and then announce the exciting thing. But think about it. On most social media platforms, people can only see the first few lines. They have to physically make the effort to see more. So if you don't grab them straight away, they're unlikely to make that effort. And think about how people naturally scan through content on social media. They're unlikely to read long paragraphs and complicated words. So keep it simple, keep it concise and keep your paragraphs short. So there you have it. 
Three ways to get more clients on social media without paying for ads. They are to understand how each platform works and adapt to its style. Secondly, to define your customer journeys so that you know exactly how to use each platform. And thirdly, write in a conversational style. Make your content easy to scan and to digest and talk about benefits, things that will interest your target audience. Now, before I wrap up today's episode, I promised that I'd quickly talk about how there might be reasons why what works now may not work for you in the future. And that's with marketing in general, not just social media. The best way I can explain is by telling you how I started my tuition business and why I would do things very differently if I were to start from scratch now. I set up my tuition business in 2017, and although there were already tons of tutors, the market didn't feel too crowded. At the time, I got all of my work through one website. For the first year, I was averaging on around three to four new inquiries every week, and it only took a few months to get fully booked. At that stage, I decided to learn and explore social media marketing since I wasn't under pressure to attract new students, and I started with a Facebook page. That didn't take long to gain traction and inquiries started coming in quite fast. But since then, a lot has changed. For a start, since COVID, the tuition market has seen a surge of tutors and at times it does feel saturated. Also, when I started, face-to-face tuition was more prevalent than online. But again, COVID changed that. So the market has massively shifted. And where I was once averaging on four inquiries a week, I've only received around three inquiries in the last two years through that same website. Also, Facebook now prioritise communities. So you'll often find that content in groups reach far more people than pages. So if I were to start again, I would have to approach things very differently. And that's why today I've tried to give you varied examples rather than telling you which specific platforms to use and how. And you'll get the most value from using the strategies that I talked about to analyse what works for your business and why and to try things out so you can see what the response is. See it as a research exercise and don't feel deflated if you're not getting clients yet. Instead, analyse why it might be and make just one change and see what the response is. If you make just one change at a time, you can clearly judge what works and what doesn't. Of course, if you need any further support, you're very welcome to reach out or to explore how I might be able to help. Next week is all about how your brand is more than your logo, and I'll be sharing my discussion with Colette Stevenson. In this discussion, we share insights on how to create that memorable footprint without it being complicated or time-consuming. But for now, thank you for listening. And if you found this useful, please do take a few seconds to write a review or to hit the like button.